Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Monday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, critical game four tonight at the Crypt. Do the Lakers need to change anything, even though they're up 2-1? That's next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked on Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. It's always going to be free. It's never going to be behind a paywall. And Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go see the show and watch the magic happen. And more importantly, hang out with nearly 16,000 subscribers to the channel. Uh, Lakers fans, NBA fans talking to each other, talking to us, leaving questions, stuff that we like to use on the show whenever we can. Um, appreciate all the support that channel is getting. Do want to let everybody know that today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, where first-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That is prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. So, Andy, we'll get into um, some of these potential adjustments the Lakers may or may not want to make, uh, both uh, as it pertains to uh, defending or attacking the Grizzlies in game four tonight, but also in uh, the players that they choose to attack with. Um, a lot of discussion on that, the, the YouTube board about who should be playing and who shouldn't. Uh, but before that, Andy, the big housekeeping news for game four. Um, unfortunately, for the Grizzlies, Dylan Brooks will not be suspended for game four. Uh, I think most Lakers fans, would you agree, we're happy to see that he will be back for oh, Monday's dude. game. If the league had announced that Dylan Brooks was suspended for game four, the, the Lakers would have petitioned them. Like they, they'd have been like, this is absolute BS, man. Like that you oh, guys are old. being thrown out of the game was punishment enough. He should be able well, to play. Come on. No, that's where you start getting to like big government overreach and things like that. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like it would it would be just this grave injustice, according to the Lakers. If you suspend Dylan Brooks, it was bad enough that you tossed him. Yeah. In fact, while we're here, we think you should rescind a few of those technicals you gave him during the season. It's no, really I, a shame. Again, if the league, and they, apparently they did, really wants to punish Dylan Brooks, they will force him to keep playing in this series because yeah. he has been awful. He currently has, Brian, a 1.3 to 1 baskets to fouls ratio. He has... <laughs> 13 baskets against 10 fouls. <laughs> that is a twist on the old assist to turnover ratio. Yeah, I came up with that one on my own. I was pretty yeah. proud of that one. And it's not good. Like, I no. don't know what the league leaders are in that stat, but it ain't him. Well, in fairness to Dylan Brooks, he is very distracted by what the media has made him out to be. This, this yeah. image that they've painted of him. Uh, per Tim McMahon, who is covering this, the series very well, by the way, for ESPN after uh, practice on Sunday, uh, Dylan Brooks said that he thinks the perception of him influenced that fra uh, flagrant two call in game three where he got ejected, quote, mm -hmm. the media making me a villain, the fans making me a villain. That just creates that persona on me. So this this was my face when I saw that quote. <laughs> exactly. Well, look, really? man, 
on behalf of the media, and I mean, you and I are media. We do this show. We work. Oh yeah, ESPN, Spectrum Sportsnet. I mean, they took our blue check mark away, but until you know, we were we were blue check marked approved members of the media for, yeah. for a long I mean, time. We've worked for the Athletic, the LA Times, yeah. the Players Tribune. So like, and and we know a lot of people in media too. They are our peers. So on behalf of all media, I would like to apologize for our role in creating a villainous image of Dylan Brooks, <laughs> the self-proclaimed bear poker who led the NBA in techs, dresses like a classic WWE heel, and called LeBron James old. Moving forward, we, the media, just, we must do better. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, I, I, I will say, like, because we talked about this for the, the, for the mini show for Sunday, I was not surprised at how this went. Um, where LeBron played, ex- you know, very much like LeBron had a very good, very solid, very steady LeBron game, and Dylan Brooks put Dylan Brooks on tilt. Um, you know, the Lakers were daring him to shoot, and he obliged. He was a big reason the 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 uh, Grizzlies scored nine points in the first quarter. Um, he it, he he poked the bear. And the bear turned out to be that bear from the Revenant, <laughs> kind of mauled him. <laughs> sort of didn't go well uh, in that sense. And you know, I, I I do I do wonder what it's gonna be. I, I have found, I have to say, and I, I don't. I think Taylor Jenkins is a good coach. I really like the Grizzlies as a team. I think you know they're they're a franchise certainly that's well run, going in the right direction. I have long been mystified at the the leeway that Dylan Brooks gets offensively um, as inefficient as he is. Um, but I hope they continue to let him have it in game four. Um, and this kind of gets into the, the, uh, the, the discussion about adjustments and things like that, because with, you always have to give up something. And, you know, with Dylan Brooks, it's like, you hope that he takes 18 shots in every game, 18 shots or more. One of them out of three, four, five, or six, he's going to have a big game. But sure. most of the time, he's going to shoot 40% and probably take Memphis out of their offense. Dude, they'd kill for him to be shooting 40%. What are you talking about? <laughs> he's he's 13 of 40 in three games. I, I, mean, I mean, like his normal average. saying, like, I mean, are frightfully shoots, low anyway. He shoots 40%. We're talking from the field, we're talking about things moving in the right direction. <laughs> like, do you start do you start running more of the offense through Dylan Brooks? <laughs> it reminds me of earlier in the season when like the uh, the very beginning of the season when the Lakers were so catastrophically awful um from three-point range where they'd have games where they shot like 29% and it would raise their average pretty significantly. <laughs> That's sort of where Dylan Brooks is right now. But one of the things that I saw, and you know, a, a, a few people commenting on on the YouTube page, for example, was about Ja, and you know, Morant was thirteen of twenty six from the field on um, on Saturday. He had forty five points overall. He was really quite amazing, and a lot of that was fueled by six of ten from three point range. And people are talking about, you know, you got to stop going under every screen with Ja and this and that, whatever. And I don't think, as it pertains to Morant, I wouldn't change really anything about how they defend him. If Ja takes 10 three-pointers, generally speaking, that's going to be good for the Lakers. And you'd much rather have him doing that than coming downhill and getting the line constantly like he did in the game, 14 free throws, 
and you want to limit his effectiveness from two. And in that sense, Lakers did a pretty decent job. Um, he was, you know, under 50% from shooting from two point range, which is where I feel Jaws most dangerous. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know what it reminded me of? And I think you were at this game with me. I know I was there doing some work for somebody. Clippers Rockets in 2015, that game where the Rockets came down from, came back from like down. Oh, I was at that game in the fourth yeah, quarter. I was and there. Uh-huh. it was on the strength of Corey Brewer and Josh Smith like bombing threes like Josh Smith is hitting step back threes and I remember like being at this game going like is is this actually gonna happen like are they actually gonna do this and like I remember after the game people talking about like why didn't Doc Rivers adjust like he's got to do something I'm like okay you do want to do something I guess but I don't know what that something is because as a as a coach your fantasy is Josh right. Smith. The adjustment would be, three. can we figure out a way to make Josh Smith take three-pointers? Right. I mean, like, again, on one hand, I know there you're, there probably is something you need to do. But on the other hand, I don't blame call Doc for being out. like – that's That, by the way, is everybody's salute. That is the basketball – call timeout is the basketball equivalent of my computer isn't working. I'm going <laughs> to shut it down and turn it back on. Right. I'm like <laughs> – I don't blame Doc for being like kind of curious to see where this movie's going. Like, this is what you want. And like John ja Morant along these lines, shooting 32% from three this year, 30% or he's 32 on his career, 30% this year. I looked it up this season in the 61 games Jaws played in the regular season. He hit more than two threes in just 13 of those games and more than three in just five. Yeah. So it's like, you know, maybe you want to run him off the line every now and then just to like get him out of a rhythm, something like that. But for the most part, yeah, you play it under the screen. You you give him that room to take those shots because he's way, way more effective driving and getting to the rim. Yeah. And if or, John Morant's gonna hit line, all of that, he's gonna hit six threes. Like some of it's God like, what are you gonna do? Man. And this, by the way, this is what this is what awesome players do sometimes. Along those lines, and we'll do this next, um, it, it goes further than that. Because, you know, this idea of you have to give up something is is really important to remember, whether it's Jaron Jackson Jr., whether it's John Morant. And then, then you have to look at the big picture. And I'll explain what I mean by that uh, next. But first, Andy, uh, I want to tell you and everyone about the $1 million daily Superflex promotion that, that – uh, prize picks is doing right now we got the through the nba playoffs and the finals every day of the playoffs through the finals one prize picks user will win a chance to become a millionaire uh your entry is placed after uh, 8 a.m uh eastern time it'll be randomly randomly selected each day and whoever places that entry will be given a six pick flex with the following payout six correct picks one million dollars five correct picks $80,000 for correct picks, $16,000. Full details can be found at prizepicks.com backslash million. You must opt into this. You, know, you must opt in uh, through this link to be eligible for the million dollar entry. But once you do, all you have to do is play the game like normal and you could be the lucky winner. And it's you're picking two to six players and you're you're thinking the fun stuff like LeBron. Is he going to go over or under 26 and a half points tonight? And prize picks, you can do this with the NBA. You can do this with the NFL, baseball, the hockey playoffs, the PGA, college football. And so you go to prizepicks, the PrizePix app or prizepicks.com, 
and you sign up to play daily fantasy sports. And first time users can receive a $100 or 100%, I should say, instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. Again, that's the promo code you need to use for the thing that I mentioned at the top. Uh, and if you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. Uh, if you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Think you know where this is going. So don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. Locked on Lakers is also brought to you by Nissan, and Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, and the award goes to Rui Hachimura. Nobody has elevated their play to the level expected and beyond in these playoffs more consistently than Rui Hachimura. According to the folks at Fast Break Breakfast, Rui joined Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Cedric Maxwell is the only players to score in double digits and shoot 50% or more in their first eight career playoff games, which is pretty impressive. That's a nice company. Uh, his smooth, elegant jumpers, Ruiz, they are dropping from all spots on the court. It's been a shot of electricity for a second unit that uh, quite, quite generously put needs to pick up their production. He's also using his strength on the defensive end, making himself difficult to move on post-ups, lowering his shoulder into him, and a lot of guys on this team, you know, even though the Lakers are up 2-1, raise your game. Be more like Rui. The 2023 Nissan packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. You know, I know after game one, Andy, we we talked a lot. Uh, and by the way, you know, to any of the everydayers, make sure, obviously, Tune it in tomorrow because um, all kinds of, of recap action uh, for game four. Hopefully the Lakers going up 3-1, but we'll have all the analysis and looking forward to the rest of the series. Um, but, you know, John Moran goes for 45 points in game three. Jaron Jackson Jr. went off in game one. And, then, you know, the big question is what do you do about those things? And, you know, I, I look at this from a schematic standpoint defensively. I... I don't think I would change much anything that the Lakers are doing. The reason is um, it's working. <laughs> it's working extremely well. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies have the lowest field goal percentage in the playoffs, 42.5%. That's going really well for, for the Lakers. The Memphis Grizzlies have scored the, you know, the 11th, you know, their 11th in playoff scoring just in raw points per game. Um, and, you know, they're, they're not, they're, the Lakers are not losing anything based on Memphis scoring too many points. Even in game one, where Memphis scored as much as they have all series, that was not a crazy number. Um, game two, the Lakers lost because they scored 93 points. Uh, not because well, they lost Memphis. because they decided inexplicably to start game two of the playoffs all casual. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, but they seem like, but they still, if they, had, if they put up a normal offensive effort, they still would have won that game sure. as poorly as they played. And as a, defensively, you know, keeping in mind, Memphis gets a vote. Memphis is a really good team. They are the two seed in the Western Conference for a reason. Um, and it's like, you know, this is not a normal, like, first-round series where the, Lay where the Lakers can just beat down an inferior opponent. Like, the Memphis Grizzlies are a really good team, banged up as, they, as, as they've been. I don't have a lot of complaints or things that I think they should change or adjustments they ought to make on that side of the ball. 
Well, uh, I am I mean, not one of these people, for example, that thinks that they need to figure out a way to get Mo Bamba in the game when Anthony Davis isn't. I would not be doing that. Okay, well, I, I would not be doing that specifically. There is something, I guess, adjacent to that that I, uh, could come up um, as a possibility. We'll talk about it later on. But I do think that they've been making some good defensive adjustments. Like, for example, in game one, it became very clear that other than Anthony Davis, there's absolutely nobody on this team that can handle Jaron Jackson Jr. down low one on one. Like, they just, they can't. They are getting killed. They have done a better job since then making sure that that does not happen particularly often. Like, even if Rui or LeBron ends up the primary defender on Jackson, which isn't ideal. And, and we've seen that he's just, he is too big and too long and, you know, too talented with that size for those guys. When he gets that type of position down low, they're generally sending help and they're, they're doing a better job of making uh triple J work. Like in, unless it's AD, like a, AD can handle that. Uh-huh. By himself, right? But then, but then they're doing a good job of 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 keeping Anthony Davis right. away from him a lot too, so that right. this you know Anthony Davis's rim protection in this series has been otherworldly. Yeah, and you don't been, want to mess with that. It's been spectacular. You know, Desmond Bain can be a really deadly scorer. They have done a really good job keeping him from getting into a groove. Like he's he's one of those guys who is. You know, he's not quite an all-star. I don't know if he's ever going to be one, but he's very, very oh, yeah. I think he's gonna be like D Like, yeah, he's you know, he, you know, Drew Holiday, make one here, there, well, or whatever. Drew yeah, Holiday's I mean, a really I mean, good player. But, I think Drew Drew Holiday, I, I don't want to get too semantic about this. I think Drew Holiday is at a in a higher caliber tier than sure. Jane because he's somebody that ends up making all NBA occasionally. Right. I just, my point is like, you know, a guy who will not, he's not a perennial all-star, but if Bain plays for 13 years in the league, we'll make two or three all-star teams. Maybe I could see that. He might. I, I if I did bet on it, I think he wouldn't just because the odds can be it's very hard. difficult for guys who aren't true stars. But he, either way, the point being, he's a good player. Good player. Right. They've kept, it, they've kept him from getting into a serious groove. You know, I, the jaw is difficult for everybody to contain. You know, he's one, it's similar to any star in the league and a star scorer in the league. And in case of jaw, an efficient scorer in the league, like it's tough, but, Absolutely. They, but you know, they've done a good job of preventing him from at the very least going rough shot in ways that lead to losses. You know, to your point, the, there are always going to be tweaks that can be made, adjustments to the adjustments, that sort of thing. But it is hard to get deeply critical defensively about what the Lakers have done in this series. You know, for the most part, the biggest criticism you could have about them defensively was game two, try, you know, get, like get into it. <laughs> right, try earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because second half, they were very good defensively. Well, this, right, because they, they took the, you know, they got, they were less sloppy with the ball. They just like, you know, and, when they don't give Memphis, I know we want to talk about you know the Lakers and and some of their half court issues that they that they have and and their challenges scoring in the half court. It's worse for the Grizzlies. Um, you know when when the Lakers don't give the Grizzlies opportunities to get uh, cheap points on the break, cheap points off turnovers and things like that, Memphis really struggles to score. And so 
you know, they're more, I think, even than a normal series. Your their defense is heavily influenced by the quality of their offense. Um, and so if they don't if they're efficient offensively, if they can make some shots, shoot the ball a little better than they have been, um, you know, continue those stretches where they do take good care of the ball, like they did in the first quarter, obviously, um, on on Saturday, where they can force some turnovers so the Lakers can run themselves. Um, but like in terms of just the basics on defense, what they're doing is working, and I wouldn't change it, and I wouldn't change it if. Dylan Brooks, you know, has a big game four or something like that, you know, Ja or Jaron Jackson, not both preferably don't put them on the line and, you know, and then on the other side, don't turn the ball over. And I think the formula is working very well. Yeah. Now, as far though, as the Lakers and their, and their own scoring, you want to start with the potential rotation tweak or the, the fourth quarter and the sort of the crunch time, Set up. So let's let's talk about rotations because I think that's okay. what most people are interested okay. in. So set up basically what the what the complaint is, and then we'll we'll break and we'll come back and break it down. Seen a lot of calls both in the YouTube comment section, but also on Twitter at Cam Brothers. Ended up in a discussion today on Twitter with uh, Trevor Lane and Sean Davis over at uh, Lakers Nation, you know, friends of the show, that sort of thing, about uh, Mike uh, Malik Beasley. And now I got I got you doing it now. The Michael yeah, Beasley thing. Yeah, you That's did my fault. Doing it. it is your fault. <laughs> but uh, Malik Beasley and his role in the rotation, and he is currently the 10th man on this team, and he's averaging only 12 minutes per game. He's and he's often not playing in second halves. He did not play, I think, in the second half at all nope. um, in game three win. in part because I think the, with that type of lead, the Lakers were thinking defending it. So at that point, Beasley doesn't really factor into that uh, that equation, but also too he has not been particularly effective offensively at all. And I remember before the playoffs began, you and I had a few discussions about whether or not it was time to consider um, not just benching Beasley because he eventually did get moved to the second unit, but actually taking him out of the rotation, whether in favor of Lonnie Walker. And I've seen a lot of suggestions to put Lonnie out there or this was another thought that I that I had actually had because the Lakers those second units are not playing well in part because they're not getting the scoring they need from anybody other than Rui but also there are some size issues because Mm -hmm. Memphis is just a pretty big team period Um, even when Jaron Jackson Jr. isn't playing but especially if he is with the second unit and you're left with either LeBron or Rui as the quasi center you're you're losing some rebounding. You're losing some size. I was wondering if it actually might be time to try Wendon Gabriel for about ten minutes. Um, yeah, we'll see. But but either way, the idea of taking Beasley out because he's essentially an offensive, a limited offensive specialist on this team, not providing much offense, not providing really much shooting. No. And when he's not doing that, he does not bring a ton to the table. All right, so, so the idea of whether it's time right. to take him so out. Beasley, I've seen a lot of why are we playing Troy Brown kind of stuff and a lot of should Mo Bamba be. Like they're just you know, size, who you have in these 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, um, if you're going to go that deep uh, in the rotation. So we'll do that next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. And 
Really cool game. Uh, I've always thought that I could be a great NBA GM. I talk on this podcast like I could do it. And as it turns out, not always that easy, although I would not have traded for Russell Westbrook or uh, signed Lou Aldang, should be noted. But anyway, if you've ever fantasized about managing your own basketball team, go and download Ultimate Pro Basketball GM right now. The game lets you manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, dealing with challenging personalities, whether the players are coaches, hiring the right staff, the right training staff, trading players, making draft picks, taking your franchise through free agency and all the ups and downs of multiple seasons. Plus, you can talk trash to your friends while playing the game like all the Locked On hosts do with our teams. Ultimate Pro Basketball Jam. It's completely free. It's playable offline. You can play it on the go, wherever you want, however you want. Locked On Lakers listeners, that's you, get a 100% free boost to their franchise when downloading the promo Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. And to download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code, or look up look it up in the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com, Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. Um, so obviously, you know, this is a huge opportunity for the Lakers, um, a, a Grizzlies team that is not great on the road, very strong at home. Lakers win game four. You're looking at a, a position where you have three tries to win that decisive fourth game, one of which is on your home floor. You obviously feel pretty good about that. Um, you know, my big thing with game two is like they could have put themselves in a position where all they had to do is split on, you know, in, in these games. But okay, it's not well, to be. Could have put themselves in a position where they're potentially sweeping. Well, maybe. Like, you know, who knows? You know, the, 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 could have been a different energy, could have been a different result, whatever, in game three and all that stuff. And, you know, depending on if the Lakers have won game two, maybe it's different. I don't know. Maybe Dylan Brooks hits LeBron in the first half. Yeah, right. <laughs> it could have been. <laughs> um, but, you know, be that as it may, the Lakers have a really good opportunity to have put, put a, a real decisive lead in this series. And I don't think I would pick them to lose uh, three straight um, in, in this, given how inefficient Memphis's offense has been. Um, it does, like you say, kind of give the freedom both for this series and potentially even very carefully and cautiously peeking up, maybe looking forward a little bit about who ought to be in the rotation. You know, essentially, if you were going to take Beasley out, the the idea is, you know, you would put, if you're going to play another, you know, guard wing in that, because you could just, just you could theoretically just shrink the rotation. You could just shrink the rotation. You could play bigger, um, where you know you are taking the Beasley slot and giving it to you know minutes for Wendy and Gabriel. Maybe you're playing Bamba and AD together in a larger lineup. And there are ways to do it where you don't play either one of those guys. But in theory, the straight swap would be um, for Lonnie. Uh, you know, Lonnie for for Beasley. I I will admit I am still very dedicated to the idea of what Malik Beasley can do for this team in the postseason and the benefit of having him playing at a higher level if they're going to make a deeper playoff run. Um, I have more confidence in Beasley to fill the role of a straight shooter, which is what they want him to be. It's not yes. score. It's not bench score. Like is Lonnie Walker a better bench score, like in more versatile ways? And 
you know, if if the shots aren't falling, can Lonnie Walker get to the basket better? Yes. I mean, I don't think anybody's way better. But as a high volume three point shooter, no. I mean, that's really much more Malik Beasley's historical role than than Lonnie Walker. And so I get it. My and I I don't think it's hurt them necessarily in the end results. I just don't know. Don't know if it's going to work. Like I am still on board with trying to get Malik Beasley going. I just don't know if you have the space to do it. If he's only really going to get, you know, eight to twelve minutes in a game. Like you know, what I'm saying like, and that he shot. Let's say he makes two threes in the first half. Does that mean he plays in the second half? Like I don't, I don't totally understand where you take it, but I really do understand why they would try to move heaven and earth, so to speak, in that rotation to try to get Beasley going. Here's why I am leaning towards either take Beasley out of the rotation specifically for Lonnie Walker or Wenyan Gabriel. Right. I, think, I think you can make an argument. I, I would not play Bamba. I'm just going to say this right now. I would not play Bamba, A, because he's not helpful for Jaron Jackson Jr. or... Tillman or any of these big physical guys, they will just beat up Bamba. That's not that's not how he helps a team defensively at all. He also has played so little with this team. Like the people who've suggested playing AD and Bamba together, they have literally not played together at all since Bamba's been with this team. There's been very little opportunity to do it because Bomba was suspended, then injured, and then there were a few games AD didn't play. Like, it's not because the coaches screwed this up. There really was not time to make this happen. Gabriel is more familiar with what they do. I think he could frankly provide a shot of energy that sometimes that second unit needs, just mm-hmm. energy and activity. He's a smart player. I think, generally speaking, Wenyan's been pretty good this year when, in terms of just serving his role. Otherwise, I assuming you think a 10th man is necessary, because you could just shorten it to nine, and I don't think Troy Brown would get more minutes. I think it'd be more minutes to Rui, more minutes no, I mean, to Austin. Honestly, you could, you could hack. A lot of teams will just essentially play eight-man rotations at this you, point. You, you could, but I, I think particularly defensively, Troy does enough well uh, with his activity, and he's reliable. If nothing else, he's predictable, and he only plays about 15 minutes a game anyway. So I, I probably wouldn't go down to him, take him out of the rotation yet. I could see it happening, but I probably wouldn't do it now. But the reason I think I'm leaning towards taking Beasley out of the rotation, like you said, his minutes are so limited right now that for somebody like him, who I think needs to get into a rhythm and needs volume in order to really be productive, I don't know if the opportunities are there. I've seen a few people point this out, and there's probably some truth to this. The issue may not be so much Beasley as it is they don't run anything for him, mm-hmm. which that may be true. And but unless they're going to change that, you know, unless they're going to start right. changing their offense to accommodate Malik Beasley, then you're still dealing with a guy playing like 12 minutes a game that are really unproductive. Like I think you have to run less for Lonnie Walker to make Lonnie productive than you would Malik Beasley. Like, he needs to... Yeah. His usage rate, for example, I looked it up. His usage rate in the playoffs is like 11% versus 20% during his games with the Lakers. It's almost half down. Like, 
they're not doing anything with him. So if you're not going to do anything with him and you know he's not he's a defensive liability anyway, he doesn't really do anything else other than take threes at volume. If you're not going to give him real chances to shoot, I don't know why he's out there. Whether it's his fault, someone else's, both, whatever. Yeah, and I I think some of it's just I'm not I don't see I Lonnie's had some really good moments this season. It's not what I, I, I mean, I'm not trying to like rag on the guy, but like I just don't see him. I mean, I, I think part of the, like, the reason what, I would try what, with Lonnie really quickly is just because the team is often struggling to score. Right. That's and, what I'm saying. And so, but I, I look at this in a, in a couple different ways. And, you know, you can change up the way you, you maybe want your bench units to try to score, um, which is what Walker would do. Not that Lonnie can't hit a, a perimeter shot, but. That's he's more of a get in the lane, put the yeah. ball on the floor kind of guy. Um, I, I guess what I, what I'm thinking is I, I don't know how big of a boost. Like when I look at the bench scoring and figuring that stuff out, I am much more interested in the production of Schroeder, for example, um, who has 14 points in three games. Um, in a good second half, hopefully he can carry that into game four. Right. But you understand what I'm getting at. Like, no, you know, the, the bench he, scoring, you know, he is sort of your first source of that, you know, in, in Rui. And, and you certainly can't complain about what Rui's been doing in this series. Um, and so it's like, I, 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 I don't, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I don't. I, I just wonder if some of this conversation is a little bit misplaced, and some of it's like if Schroeder were playing better, because really Schroeder Dennis is you know you know take a th- make, take and make a three, but he's a guy who you want to get into the paint and score, and and I feel like if he was doing a little bit more Schroedery type stuff more consistently through games, you'd a get a little bit more bench scoring, take some of the pressure off that, and. Um, then you, you know, you are opening up the floor. You have, you know, it's a yeah, but but here's like the difference: the combination though. of Schroeder and Beasley, in theory, if those guys are both doing what you would want them to be doing and performing, is a better combination to me than than uh, Walker and 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 Schroeder. I you are correct that but I get it, and I, I think some of it too is like, and those three, and then with. If Beasley's not scoring, and you have Troy Brown on the floor, and you're like some of it is the it's not just the players, it's the combinations. Right, it's the combinations, but also too like you are correct that Schroeder's own struggles exacerbate what you're not getting out of Beasley. Uh-huh. But the difference is Schroeder is out there to do more than just score. Like he is out there to try to table set. He's definitely out there for defense. Like that you would like to get more scoring from Schroeder, and you need more of it. But yeah. there are still things that Schroeder's doing oh, that not, other guys. Right. I wouldn't take away any of Dennis's minutes. That's no, no, but that, I know it wasn't your point. But I was going to say there are things you're getting from Schroeder that you can't get from other guys. Like there's mm-hmm. no sub out for Schroeder. There's a potential sub out for Beasley, right? Especially if he's not doing the quite yeah. literally one thing you want from him. I I would just I think it's until it starts to hurt them. Like materially hurt them. Okay, I would keep trying to be honest because I think ultimately the value proposition is higher for what they would could do long term. But I get all the arguments against it. Um, 
Hopefully Beasley bounces back with a pretty good game four and uh, maybe puts some of this issue to bed. Uh, We'll we'll see. Um, But anyway, Lakers have a huge opportunity. The building, which was rocking on Saturday, will be just as raucous tonight. Um, I know a lot of people inside that building who just couldn't stop talking about how loud it was, how energetic that crowd was, and Lakers are going to need that again. Uh, for Monday, so we'll see how that goes. Lockdown Lakers on YouTube is where you can go see the show, uh, participate, leave comments. As you can tell, we love to go through them and use them as a as conversation starters. Uh, reminder to the everydayers: we're going to be back uh, through the week with obviously the rest of this series. But you know, maybe if they win on Monday, we can start peeking ahead to see what might await the Lakers in round two. Remember, we're allowed to get ahead of ourselves. The team can't. We can't. Um, And uh, all right, we'll see everybody on Tuesday.